If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. For all of your Wisconsin Badgers news from the recruiting trail, on the field, and near the rim, this is the Badger Blitz Podcast. If you want to be a Badger, just come along with me by the bright, shiny light of the moon. On Overtime Media. Welcome back to another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, powered by Overtime Media. Alongside editor, recruiting analyst, John McNamara, this is Jake Kokorowski, senior writer here in the Vivid Seats studio. And of course, use, use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases, first-time customers only. And it is a big week, of course, Wisconsin upends Minnesota in significant manner in the pseudo winter wonderland or a pseudo snow globe, I guess you could say inside the winter wonderland known as TCF bank stadium on Saturday, 38, 17 clinches a berth in the big 10 football championship game inside Lucas oil stadium in Indianapolis coming up this weekend. And Badger blitz will be there. Our two photographers, myself, we will be down there in Indianapolis We'll get to that in just a little bit. We'll have Kevin Noon talking from Buckeye Grove, giving his thoughts about the Big Ten championship matchup between the two teams that have that are meeting for the second time this season and what could be different from that 38-7 loss. We'll also give our keys to the game. We'll talk with Isaac Garendo about his big game. But first, let's talk that something came out. We're recording this on Wednesday night. But first, John, bowl projections came out on Tuesday. Wisconsin bumped up from number 12 in the college football playoff rankings to number eight. And right now they're this at the moment, the number two big 10 team in those rankings behind number one, Ohio state big bump. And right now it's, they seem to be in position for a new year's six bowl. And quite frankly, they could possibly smell roses. Right. And I think you look at Wisconsin and, and Penn State there. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because, like you said, Wisconsin comes in as the number two ranked team you know, in in the rankings and the Big Ten and stuff like that ahead of Penn State. But obviously, Wisconsin plays this week and Penn State does not. So, you know, you're, you're asking yourself or you're asking the committee, you know, what does Wisconsin have to do to stay where they are? You know, the obvious answer is to beat Ohio State. I, I You know, that's obviously a very tall task. Um, so then you start to ask, you know, what kind of loss then, you know, would potentially keep them where they are? You know, do they have to play Ohio State within a certain margin or if they get blown out by Ohio State, does that put Penn State in? So, uh, you know, there's a lot of question marks going in there. Um, obviously, best case scenario, you know, Wisconsin wins uh, and then, you know, is almost guaranteed, I think, to go to the Rose Bowl. 
Um, I don't think there's any way that Wisconsin squeaks into the top four. I think that's off the table. But, you know, if you win, you go to the Rose Bowl. And even if you lose, you know, if you kind of go back and forth at Ohio State, that could get you in as well. Right, absolutely. And it, that that's going to be the big discussion point of where Wisconsin will be that based off of their season and the fact that and even Rob Mullins, who's the college football playoff com, you know, committee or selection committee chair, mentioned that, that Wisconsin had three top 25 wins on their resume. That's why they were the highest ranked two-loss team currently. Uh, do you feel that, let's say they, uh, you know, obviously the odds are stacked against Wisconsin going up against Ohio State. Do you feel that they deserve a New Year's Six Bowl regardless? Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. And you know, everyone who is not on that side will point to Illinois, and that's that's one hundred percent valid. Um, you know, that's a game that Wisconsin should have won. Um, you know, if they take care of business there, um, you know, no one's talking about this. This is a non-issue where, uh, you know, Wisconsin had they beat Illinois, this I think they're talking about a chance for them to to go into the the top four if they were to beat Ohio State, but. Obviously, that's that's not on the table. It's not worth discussing much. Um, I do, like you mentioned, the, the wins against top twenty-five teams. Um, you know, even you know the early wins. We talked about at the start of this season how difficult Wisconsin's schedule is going to be, and obviously, you know, things are different when you're talking about college football in the summer. But you know, they, they beat some good teams along the way. I think they've they've had a great season with you know one kind of blip on the radar. Um, I feel really strongly about Ohio State. I, I think they're the best team in college football. Um, you know, Wisconsin obviously went in there. Um, hung with them for about you know two and a half three quarters but you know then the floodgates kind of open so um, you know long story short I, I do but I, I do think that the committee obviously is going to be watching that Ohio State game and you know if it's you know kind of a bloodbath then I think they look and say hey look we you know we would prefer to put Penn State ahead of them and you know the Rose Bowl would select them uh, but you know if it's a back and forth competitive contest I think that really works in Wisconsin's favor uh, to potentially you know, get to the Rose Bowl or another, like you said, New Year's Day six bowl. The one the question I have too is that will the committee and Stuart Mandel tweeted this out on Tuesday. Do you feel that the committee is going to punish Wisconsin for playing an extra game? Because right now, for all those regular season games that you know, Penn State will not be playing in a conference championship game. They are 10 and 2. Wisconsin is 10 and 2, 7 and 2 in the Big Ten. You have Minnesota. 10 and two, seven and two in the big 10 will and should an extra game punish Wisconsin in the rankings just because they have to face Ohio state twice. You know, will it, I don't know. Should it? No, I don't think so. Um, You know, obviously if you work all season long to get in this position, but you know, then you're, you're kind of in a unique position where you're playing an extra game. And uh, you know, even though you're entering ranked higher than than the teams that you that you mentioned or the teams that you've you've uh you know out outplayed or outranked in your own conference but then a loss could hurt you so um it's it's an interesting situation to look at and you know it's not just the big 10 it's it's other conferences as well um but you know it's it'll be really interesting to see what the committee's decision is uh, after wisconsin's game and obviously it's going to depend on the outcome but um it, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens to see it kind of see how it all shakes out so before we get the bowl projections, which, you know, I'll go off of a few from what we've seen from ESPN to uh, watch stadium to others, uh, in your opinion, you know, and, and we'll obviously get to the keys of the game and in kind of a game prediction, which I think both of us will be aligned in terms of who will come out with the win, but looking into your crystal ball in your future, 
Will Wisconsin get to the Rose Bowl, in your opinion, when everything is announced 11 a.m. on Sunday? Yeah, uh, yeah, great question. Um, I think I'm I'm really kind of 50-50 about that. And, you know, obviously I, I think Ohio State comes out on top. Um, uh, you know, how much they win by, I'm not sure. I think the last line I saw was – you know, 15 and a half or 16, something like that. Um, I right do think that what's, what is that right now? It is 16. Yeah. Uh, 16 right now, according to the action network. Okay. Yeah. So 16 right now. I I don't know. You know, I, I think that Wisconsin could have, you know, cleaned a lot of stuff up from that Ohio state game. But again, I, you know, I just think that Ohio state is a better team on both sides of the ball. Um, I think you have to like how Wisconsin's playing after that Minnesota game. Um, you know, there's there's some stuff that's working for them on offense. Um, and, you know, if you even look back to that Ohio State game, you know, the Wisconsin, you know, specifically the linebackers had a, had a pretty good game getting into the backfield. Um, I, you know, I think they're going to have to force a lot of turnovers there. Um, you know, it's kind of going deeper into that game. But do they make it to the Rose Bowl? I guess, I, I like I said, I think I'm split on that. If I had to say yes or no right now, I'd say no. The other options, you know, you look at the Citrus Bowl on January 1st, one projection has Wisconsin and Auburn playing in the Citrus Bowl. You know, that's that's not a terrible consolation prize, but, you know, with the way this program's kind of been built, you know, getting back to the Rose Bowl, I think would be very satisfying for the majority of the fan base. Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm I'm going my bold prediction for my 3-2-1 column earlier this week. I'm saying they will. I just, it's weird, you know, I, Penn State, obviously, they pulled away against Rutgers. I didn't that was a weird game where they scored only 13 points through three quarters before putting two touchdowns up in the final 15 minutes of that game. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see just how the committee decides to, to punish Wisconsin. If they do regarding the loss. And I don't, if, if it's another 59, nothing blowout, then, you know, I could see that happening, but I, I do think Wisconsin will play tighter. We'll get into the, our keys and our thoughts about the game a little later, but I feel that Wisconsin, I think they will smell roses and, and you know, we'll all be heading out to Pasadena for a few days, but I, I do feel Wisconsin's got a hat. They're going to play tighter. And I agree. I, I, that second open weekend by week, whatever you want to call it. I think that helped Wisconsin. You've seen that offensively defensively. I don't know if you've actually necessarily seen that a lot because of the types of the offenses that Jim Leonard's unit has faced with, with Adrian Martinez and obviously some of the trickery from Purdue and then the passing attack from Minnesota, even though about a hundred of the 296 yards last weekend were in garbage time. So Again, uh, this will be, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm saying they will, uh, and we'll all get to enjoy some temperatures, some hopefully more comfortable temperatures out in sunny California uh, come New Year's Day. But, yeah, you're looking at bowl prediction, predictions, too. You're seeing some Rose Bowls. I think Heather Dinich from ESPN mentioned. I think she's had the Rose Bowl. Uh, you're either seeing Utah or Oregon in there, and that that'd be a fun matchup. I, I mean, I guess out of the two, I know maybe we don't necessarily follow the Pac-12 often, but would you want to see, John, would you want to see Oregon and Wisconsin kind of that rematch from that 2012 Rose Bowl and see if Wisconsin could avenge that loss? Yeah, you know, like you said, I don't I don't go much Pac-12 after dark. Um, I'm usually pretty well set after, after the ABC game at 7 o'clock. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I go – from one point, I would say, you know, none of those teams scare you all that much. I mean, Oregon, Utah, 
Um, but I, I think it'd be a nice contrast of styles. Um, I think it'd be a great game. Like you said, you know, a rematch for my, you know, that, that was what Russell Wilson's team that, that one played Oregon in the roast. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, if Wisconsin were to get to the Rose Bowl, I think that you're happy, whoever you, you see on the other side of the ball. I just think that, you know, the, the venue is so special and Wisconsin's tradition there is special. Um, I, I don't think that you mind a whole lot about who you're playing there. It's, it's more about getting there, uh, in, in my opinion. I'm gonna find a ticket to that Lowry's Beef Bowl. I'm not gonna lie, man. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see if I get myself a steak and some prime rib, uh, for that matter. But uh, announced uh, just earlier this week, tonight and on Tuesday, some All Conference honors. First off, more recently, Jonathan Taylor, second consecutive year, Amici Dane, running back of the year for the Big Ten's best back. Also for the third consecutive season, a consensus. First team all Big Ten selection joins Tyler Biotish, also a consensus first team all Big Ten selection this year. And of course, those two, John, in your opinion, you know, those two obviously very deserved and what they've done on the field, especially Taylor and adding that extra skill set this season with the receiving. But Tyler Biotish anchoring a line that's now improved heading heading into Indianapolis. Yeah, you know, Biotish specifically, I think. You know, a, a lot of the stuff that we do is, is uh, you know, we look to pro football focus and, and the grades that they have. Um, you know, Biotish, for a guy who came back, didn't grade out maybe as highly as you would have anticipated at the start of the year. But you know, he's made a big jump in the in, in the end of the year. And, you know, he's been playing very well. And I think that, you know, the entire line has, has taken a big step um, in the last handful of games now that they've kind of found the rotation that they like. Although you saw Caden Lyles play the bulk of the snaps there at left guard, um, you know, with the injury to David Mormon there. So, it, you know, we'll see what happens uh, in the Big Ten title game if he's able to go. But, yeah, the, the, the line overall has played better, and I think that starts with Biotish. And then, you know, what can you say about Jonathan Taylor that hasn't been said yet? Um, you know, Wisconsin fans, you have two more games with them, so I would, you know, advise you to try to suck up, you know, both of those contests as much as you can because – you know, he's as special as, as they've come from, you know, a very storied program at that at that running back position. Um, you know, obviously it's going to be an interesting debate about, you know, who is the top running back to, to come out of Wisconsin. You know, you have Dane and Melvin Gordon and now Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, that, that'll be a fun debate for, for Wisconsin fans to have, you know, years and years and years down the road now. So some other honors on the offensive side of the ball. Cole Van Lannon named second team all-conference by the media honorable mention by the coaches and then some other honorable mentions by the coaches for the offense consensus wise Quintez Cephas Logan Bruss Jake Ferguson and then according to the media Jack Cohn quarterback honorable mention uh all conference there and he, obviously one of the nation's best in terms of accuracy completion percentage and he's been protecting the ball so congrats to Jack Cohn there uh for assuming his role uh, on the team and and putting up some great passes for this offense. And, and especially the past couple of games, you're seeing more of that balance shine at the right moments, but looking at the defense, Zach Bond consensus, first team, all big 10 on defense, Chris, or second team consensus, all big 10 pick. Obviously, John, these two have, have been the leaders of this Wisconsin defense. And it's fitting that, you know, we talked about it at the beginning of the season, who would step up in the pass rush. And these two right now, 11.5 sacks each, First time since 1996 that you had two Badgers record double digits in sacks in one year. Yeah, I think that was one of our preseason questions about sacks. And 
who would lead that, where they come from. Um, you know, both had outstanding seasons. You know, I, I'd be curious to see if, or I'm sorry, if, if Bond pops up on some All-American teams as well um, in the next couple of weeks or so. I think he had a, a tremendous year. Um, you know, certainly I think played himself into, you know, most likely a spot in an NFL team. I think Chris Orr as well. I think he he could probably stick on a, on a roster as well. But, you know, for what they're doing with, with Wisconsin, uh, you know, they're a nice complement to each other. You know, Bond is more reserved and laid back. And, you know, Chris Orr is absolutely the vocal leader on this team. And, you know, both are there with production as well. Uh, you know, that outside linebacker position is so important uh, in, in Wisconsin's scheme. And, you know, if you look back at, at last year, um, you know, both – Andrew Van Ginkle and Bond were, I think, you know, you could say injured for, you know, the majority of that season. And now you're seeing, you know, a healthy Zach Bond, what he's able to do. And he, he's, he's certainly had an excellent year. Um, and like I said, I, I'd be curious to see if he pops up on some all American teams uh, when, when those are announced, uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks or so. Now some also Aaron Crookshank, sophomore wide receiver, second team consensus, all big 10 for kick returner, obviously that 89 yard return for a touchdown and a, at Nebraska earlier in November, and then he's averaged 26.6 yards per attempt. That's good for second in the conference. I don't think people realize that, but we've seen gradually, we've talked about special teams needing to improve. And I think towards the end of the season, John, you've seen that, especially, I mean, Zach Kins has always been good on kickoff, but going back, you know, Wisconsin kickers have hit at least six consecutive field goals between Hanson and Colin Larsh, not to jinx them necessarily, but then you've seen Aaron Crookshank have his big returns. And then Isaac Rendo, a little bit of trickery, a little bit of going back and going to that playbook, going into that magic bag of tricks on special teams against Minnesota. Isaac Rendo adds on 49 yards and leads to a big touchdown when Minnesota brought it to within one possession special teams has been hitting it on all, I won't say on all cylinders recently, but they're, I think they're improving and, and kickoff return and Crookshank have been a big part of it. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's a unit that has improved throughout the year. Um, a unit that got a lot of criticism at the start, but you know, like you said, I think they have improved. Um, you know, people are still, I think frustrated with the lack of, uh, you know, playmaking ability of Jack Dunn. Um, you know, I think there's people that want to see Crookshank back there, you know, what he can do. But you know, even Jack Dunn is is graded out well in that role. I think Wisconsin ranks maybe is one of the top punt return teams in, in the Big Ten as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you'd have to go back and look. But I think overall special teams uh, have taken a jump this year. It was a much needed jump, but I think the results are there that, that show that they grade out pretty well in the Big Ten. Some other quick honorable mention just for those that didn't notice. From the coaches for honorable mention for defense, safety Eric Burrell. He is consensus, or I should say, yeah, consensus meaning you have coaches and media both picking them. Eric Burrell, you have Matt Henningson, or you have uh, Fayon Hicks, Isaiah Loudermilk. For the coaches, Matt Henningson is the honorable mention for all conference. And then from the media, sophomore cornerback Rashad Wild Goose uh, had that distinction. So a lot of Badgers to be named there. And joining us now on the show, of course, you've heard him before on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast from Buckeye Grove. This is Kevin Noon. We spoke with you, well, just about a little over a month ago, Kevin. First things first, has anything changed with the most dominant team in college football? Well, you know, it's hard to say that anything has changed per se. I mean, you, know, you, you evolve and you 
you, you do some things better, you do some things a little worse. I mean, Ohio State really kind of went into the heavy part of its schedule after playing Wisconsin. I mean, certainly Wisconsin is, 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 is viewed as one of Ohio State's better opponents this year, obviously, winners of the West and the Big Ten. But they had Penn State and Michigan still in the offing. So, that you know, that skews the numbers a little bit in terms of what it is that the Buckeyes have been able to do and what, you know, what – who they are at this point, but um, and I think the biggest thing there is going to be uh, Justin Fields, and he's gotten a little banged up as the season goes along. Ohio State's done the best they, they can of uh, protecting their quarterback because they don't really have a lot of depth of the position, and he's gone down to the turf in the last two games. Uh, should be going with the heavier knee brace in this game, which means uh, not as much of Justin Fields the runner. I don't think that's going to make him an immobile statue back there, but you're not going to see a 4-3-8 type of quarterback out there running with that situation. But, you know, I think Ohio State going into this game certainly needs fields out there as a passer. Uh, you know, they have a guy who can run the ball. It's it's the running back, J.K. Dobbins. I was to say, too, we mentioned that. I'm not mistaken, that was what, an MCL sprain? Is that what he said uh, during the game or during, after the Michigan game? Well, nobody's really come out. Ohio State's been really hinky about talking about injuries and whatnot they you know they're they're claiming hipaa and this that and the other FERPA, you know hipaa whatever the darn acronym is for each, you know each level of this but uh you know that that seems to be the belief at that point and you know if it's something like that i mean he's going to need a couple of weeks to really uh get the rest and, and recuperation and it's a pretty quick turnaround uh you know whether ohio state makes college football playoff or not uh, you know, this game is going here in the first week of December. So with uh, with bowl games, you know, the level of a bowl game that Ohio State would be in being either in the final couple of days of December or early January, if things really kind of uh, go haywire for them, you know, Fields should be good by that point. But I know everybody's listening to this is concerned about what we're going to see on Saturday. So, I mean, you talked about J.K. Dobbins, and he's had, what, 30-plus carries the past couple of games against two Big Ten East rivals. In terms of his season, and I know that there's been a lot of talk on Twitter about Jonathan Taylor and what and J.K. Dobbins, who's the you know, who deserved the Amici Dane Running Back of the Year award, which I think probably both deserved it for what they've done in terms of both running the ball and receiving. But just how has he stepped up in the last month of the regular season? Well, I mean, I think he was frustrated earlier in the year. I mean, he understood it, but that he wasn't getting to play in the in, certainly in the fourth quarter and, and then oftentimes in the third quarter uh before the penn state game where he ran it 36 times for a buck 57 and a couple of touchdowns he'd never had more than 24 carries this season so there's a lot of tread on the tires and yeah we could go round and round between dobbins and taylor both are fantastic backs uh dobbins doesn't have the amount of carries that taylor does um I think if you put all the numbers together, uh, Taylor is a little bit better in, the, in 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 getting to the end zone in terms of what he's been able to do. Dobbins has a little better yard per carry average and and uh, touchdowns uh, per play. You know, when you break it in, just with with the fewer carries at that point. But uh, you know, both are going to be tremendous backs and, and playing on a fast track at Lucas Oil. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens when these guys aren't. I mean, Ohio State's field when they played at the end of October does a great job of drainage and you don't generally see a lot of bad footing there but moving it indoors where there's not going to be any 
any any precipitation whatsoever you know provides a, a very nice canvas for two artists to be able to go out there and try and uh, perform on now looking over at the the defensive side obviously wisconsin was dominated at the line of scrimmage by chase young in that october showdown four sacks five tackles for loss five sacks overall for ohio state in that game i know he had to miss two games in in november but how has he come back and anything that stood out from the defense in the past couple of weeks including what michigan did you know in that rivalry game in ann arbor right i mean michigan really sold out to stop him if you sit there and you look at uh I mean, his, his return to play Penn State, he had three sacks in that game and four tackles for loss and two forced fumbles. I mean, you know, we're getting into very familiar territory in terms of, of stat lines, but Michigan was doing everything. They weren't going to let Chase Young beat them. And while Chase Young really did not have much in the way of a stat line per se in that game, that doesn't mean that Chase Young still wasn't impactful because you're still putting – two, two and a half, three guys on him in certain instances to try and keep him from, from getting in there. I mean, I think, I think Wisconsin is going to learn some lessons there, but I, you know, I, I'm sure Paul Chris and the coaching staff was already well aware of who number two was for the Buckeyes, and it wasn't like, oh, we never game plan for this guy. Now we're, now we're ready. I don't think that's going to be the case, but you know, it may, it may uh, force them to kind of revisit how they're going to approach him because I mean, yeah, he he certainly was part of that explosion that Ohio State had after you know, the game was ten seven going, you know, in the third quarter at that point, and then Ohio State is able to just really step on the gas. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how things happen there. I mean, the Buckeyes have you know rolled a lot of guys in and out on the defensive line position. Uh, you know, it's pretty much still the same guys. There's not going to be any threat of seeing Jonathan Cooper, who is. Uh, who is a, a true senior captain for the Buckeyes, but he has opted to take the medical red shirt, or I guess at this point just considered a red shirt with the four games rule. Uh, he will not play the rest of the year. So that, you know, that takes a, a veteran end out of the mix, but he really wasn't in the mix, you know, the, the, the first time around either. So it'll, it'll be, you know, I think that's going to be the battle there, how well Wisconsin can protect, uh, Jack Cohn and, and uh, you know, how well that offensive line is going to be able to, to try and get, uh, you know, to get some push against a great Ohio State defensive line. And, and if, you know, if they're going to be able to buck the trend of Ohio State shutting down Wisconsin running backs in, in, in Indianapolis. A couple more questions for you, Kevin, before we let you go and before you head off to Indianapolis, the, just with the indoor, you know, stadium, there's no inclement weather or weather conditions that, will affect both teams. And I asked you this in our written Q&A, but just where do you see that helping Ohio State? And and do you think that could also help out Wisconsin too? I think it can help both teams. I mean, obviously, uh, nobody wants to play in the muck. I mean, you know, I think it's one of the, the secret advantages that Big Ten and Northern teams have. And if we ever get to a an eight-team playoff and we play first-round games on uh, on home home campuses and you have those positions and you potentially could be playing, you know, at Camp Randall or Ohio stadium in December. I mean, that, that certainly bodes well there, but you know, I think if everybody has their druthers. They're not going to want to play out in the rain or the, or the snow or certainly the cold. So I think it's going to help both, but 
you know, with Ohio State being one of the nation's most explosive offenses, you know, behind Oklahoma, I mean, it certainly is not going to hurt them at that point. Uh, passing conditions weren't exactly great the first time around. Ohio State, I believe, was 12 or 22 throwing the ball. Uh, you know, even with that, Justin Fields still had a couple of touchdowns, uh, 167 yards. But I've gone back and watched the game over the last couple of days. There were there were a lot of drops. Ohio State receivers weren't taking off their gloves, and today's gloves don't do very well in wet conditions. So, you know, and I think in, and if you're taking away the, the, the field's rushing component there, they're going to have to really address that in the, in the, in the in the, in the passing game, you go back to the last time these two teams met, Fields ran it 13 times. Granted, he was sacked five times, so the net only ended up being 28 yards, but he had a 21-yarder, he had a touchdown. So, I mean, he definitely had the abilities to, to, to make plays there. So, uh, you know, I think it's going to give Ohio State the opportunity to do a lot of things in the passing game and, and uh, you know, put a, put a lot of pressure on, on the Badgers to, to defend both the run and the pass. And, you know, we already know what Ohio State was able to do in the run game the first time around, 264 yards on 50 carries. Um, you know, I look for Ohio State to try and employ a little bit more of a balanced attack this time, especially with uh, Dobbins running, you know, truly at the next level. Last question for you. Badgers, Buckeyes, Battlestar Galactica Part 2. How do you think it plays out inside Lucas Oil Stadium on Saturday? Well, at risk of getting banned from the entire state of Wisconsin, I, I kind of already <laughs> knew that I was opening myself up to a can of worms when I when I wrote this for the uh, you know for the written piece for for the website. Um, you know, the first time around, I picked Ohio State to win 38-17. I had the 38 right. I, you know, I wasn't right on uh, you know on the on the 17. It was seven. I just think that there are too many things that are in Ohio State's favor in terms of the diversity of the offense and how everybody's playing. Uh, you know, obviously there are going to be some concerns about uh, Justin Fields and his durability and whatnot. And, you know, God forbid if you're an Ohio State fan, and I, nobody roots for injuries, but, I mean, if the Fields isn't able to go, I mean, that ends up being a great equalizer. He gets knocked out of the game because uh, Chris Chuginoff and Gunnar Hoker are not Justin Fields in terms of the skill set. But, you know, I see J.K. Dobbins having a really big game on the indoor turf, being able to uh, to, to to just chew up huge tracks of land. You know, on the other on the other side, uh, you know, I I really like Quintez Cephas. I think he can have a couple of big plays. I really like Jake Ferguson. Uh, you know, I if I'm Wisconsin and if I'm having to sit there and keep a tight end in to to account for for Chase Young, I'm running more 12 personnel. So. I'm not locking Ferguson up with, uh, with with blocking duties. He's too valuable of a of a pass catcher out there. Um, the only guy who scored against Ohio State, uh, AJ Taylor. You know his status. I mean, right. No better than me. But I mean, losing him if he's not there, that's going to be a big blow. I really think with Ohio State having the number one seed to play for in the college football playoff, having already gone through this in less than perfect conditions and winning winning a 38-7 game, I think it's worse this time, to be quite honest. There are just too many things there. Um, you know, I don't see 59 nothing, but I don't see 27-21 either. But I see Ohio State winning it big. 49-13 uh, is what I'm going to sit there and say. But, uh, you know, I still I still love the state of Wisconsin. Don't ban me. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just how I see it. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, Kevin. I, I could, like we talked off offline, 
I'm getting you that a couple cases of uh, new Glarus beer. Just uh, I'll be bringing that down on Saturday morning for you. I promise you on that, man. Appreciate you coming on the show again. Absolutely. Folks, it's Kevin Noon. We're going to take you to a conversation I just had with Isaac Rendo back on Monday here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. We are here with Isaac Rendo, and so a lot of noise after that 49-yard kickoff return. What's going through your head when they call that play? Um, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was very excited to finally run it. And then, uh, obviously, we were able to execute it in uh, two great leading blocks from uh, Nakia Watson and Seth Kearns that helped open that up. And then, you know, it was just a good momentum builder for the offense to be able to get on the field and then capitalize immediately after that. And um, just got the flow of the game going, and then that, that was just like a great momentum booster for that. So when when did you realize that play was going to be called? Um, we, we had drawn it up earlier in the week. We were just uh, – we were uh, running through it a little bit, getting the timing down and everything. And then, obviously, we wanted to show that Aaron Cruikshank, one of the best returners in the Big Ten, yeah, I think he's leading the Big Ten in uh, return yards. So, obviously, they're going to hone in on him. And then, so, we just we just knew that they weren't going to even see it coming. And then, obviously, we were able to execute that, which was good. So, where's your responsibility? You look like you're, like, maybe the one not – the upman upman but you're maybe was it second or third level yeah, yeah, and then like you backed up to about this like 17 18 yard line mm-hmm. and then you curve around uh, what, what are your normal responsibilities for, for your duties on that kickoff return unit and then how are you what was yeah you know, how, how did they envision it and how did it execute so well uh, i'm not usually i'm not typically on kick return so it was just drawn up so that when i do go in we just we just drew it up so i would uh i would time it up to where AC, once he ran upfield a little bit, then I would come behind if there's off the reverse. So when he gets, so you're, you're coming around and he's coming around and he flips it to you, mm-hmm. I, what's in your head? Is there anything that you're thinking anything or is it just go? Is it secure the ball? I didn't want to think too much. At that point, I just told myself I was just like, be an athlete, make a play however it, however it plays out. Now you were... You were a kick returner back in Avon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, did you bring back memories from your uh, your high school days of, oh, of spring yeah. on the field like that? Oh, yeah. It was nice being able to uh, feel that again because, I mean, it obviously it's been a while, but it definitely brought back memories from Avon. Unfortunately, my senior year, not a lot of teams kicked it deep, so it was definitely, uh, it was definitely a fun thing. Uh, I'll tell you what, how do you feel that play changed the game where it's within one score, it's at 17-10, and then, obviously, two plays later, yeah. the offense scores. Well, like I said, like being able to get into Minnesota territory at that time, for it, with it being a one-score game, was huge. Just because offense was able to capitalize right off that, and then I think making it a two-score game is when we started to build confidence. Defense was playing excellent. Special teams were playing great. So on all phases, we were playing really well. And then obviously we're able to stretch the score out. So kind of looking broadly, like a lot of our subscribers have asked about you uh, in terms of like how your progression's doing. How, how, have you, how are you seeing yourself grow? You're back at you're still running back then, I take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And with, when it comes to that, how have you seen yourself grow and develop within that? You know, within that position, uh, and how are you feeling? You know, in your second year. Mm-hmm. Well, um, obviously the transition at first was. It was definitely a big change because I, um, in the Big Ten, being a running back versus being 
a receiver is like it's completely different. Like that position change is probably one of the one of the most different. So, I mean, I feel like as I developed, I've had like obviously I've been blessed with great leaders in the running back room: Jonathan Taylor, Garrett Groshek, all 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 these guys making plays. So, being able to watch them, I think, just helps build my confidence, and I'm able to use stuff, ask them questions, and then uh, I think I think it's. I think it's been a pre- pretty easy process with them, and it, they've helped a lot for sure. What's been the biggest biggest challenge or adjustment in your eyes? Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, just like just like the the feeling of being natural as a running back, because being a receiver my whole life, it's just like you've you've developed characteristics of a receiver rather than a running back, and then. Now all of a sudden you're in the backfield where everybody is, and then just reading holes, developing like run concepts and stuff like that is something that definitely I needed to work on, and it's it started to get better, which is good. During fall camp, you were, were you also injured too? Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I, if it's okay, may I ask what happened and then how? You know, how did that, did it set, how did it set you back or etc. On that? Yeah, obviously the year didn't start off the way I wanted it to with getting injured in fall camp and then that carried it was reoccurring and then it uh, went through about like week seven or, and then I don't think I dressed until week eight so it was like it was definitely not in my plans I planned to play special teams early on rather than coming in at week eight and starting so it definitely slowed my slowed my uh, game plan down but my mentality was just to come in and contribute however I can when I do get back. And then uh, obviously in the off season, I'm gonna use that as time to strengthen myself up so that that doesn't happen again. May I ask what the injury was? Yeah, it was just a reoccurring hamstring injury. Gotcha. Yeah. How much, I mean, we all know how those can hamper or reach. How did you work your way back from that where a hamstring can, you know, like you said, linger and you didn't suit up till week eight? Yeah, so, it happened one time, and then we just decided to do regular treatment, and then uh, it ended up happening again. And then at that point, we we thought maybe we should take like a different a different stab at it. So we ended up doing a PRP injection, which uh, actually helped the healing process a lot. And then I was able to go back into regular rehab, but obviously the the process took a little longer than expected. But um, after that, I was able to heal up pretty well. And then now my plan is just to stay healthy, keep maintaining. And then, I mean, with Ohio State, what's the, what's the mood in the locker room? What's the excitement in terms of uh, what's ahead uh, and you know, playing for a Big Ten championship again? Obviously, I think our mentality is just to have a great week of preparation. We know, we know we're coming in as a good team, but um, I think as long as we execute on all three phases that we can beat anybody, honestly. And, of course, Saturday, Big Ten Championship game. Also that day, Wisconsin-Indiana for the Big Ten basketball, for men's basketball at the Kohl Center. A lot going on this weekend, and you can't miss these type of games with the atmosphere, especially at the Kohl Center, right before the Big Ten Championship game and what's going on in Indianapolis, That despite Wisconsin being over a two-touchdown underdog, uh, could be something special down in Lucas Oil Stadium. And make sure you have your seat for the game with Vivid Seats. And Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for the events you want to join, go to. You can sort by price or look for the seats in the section and your row, all in the Vivid Seats app. And to make things even better, 
Vivid Seats now has its own loyalty program, Vivid Seats Rewards, that allows fans to earn credit back. And go to the App Store, you can go to Google Play, download that Vivid Seats app, and you're automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. And every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and the games to the hottest theater shows and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. And when it's time to buy, New users enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. We're going to take a quick break, folks. Come back. We're going to pay the bills real quick and then talk keys of the game here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast powered by Overtime Media. we got John McNamara, editor, recruiting analyst, along with me, Jake Okorowski, senior writer, here inside the Vivid Seats studio and our Big Ten Championship game keys to keys to the contest. Wisconsin, it, this is going to be interesting to see just what improvements have been made. I think the defense is, has improved. Uh, maybe running the running game outside of the Nebraska contest, where the Huskers ran for 273 yards. Offensively, the new wrinkles are coming through. You're seeing some old and new blending in. Seems like I'm not saying he's he emptied out the playbook, but he's sure Paul Christ and Joe Rudolph, they definitely went deeper into it and, and exposed Minnesota. And I think you've seen a lot of motion and whatnot too, uh, in terms of what Wisconsin can do. I guess, John, looking offensively, let's start with the keys there. What is your key for Wisconsin's offense to attempt? to get past Chase Young and others and try to put points and yards up to make this a contest? Yeah, they have to find a way to get Jonathan Taylor going. Um, They weren't able to do that in the Big Ten title game when he was a freshman. Uh, They certainly weren't able to do that earlier this season. Uh, Easier said than done, right? I mean, you know, Jonathan Taylor is the most talented running back in college football. Um, although I'm sure J.K. Dobbins would have a say about that. Uh, but, you know, how do you get him going? You know, how do you get your best player going? And, you know, Ohio State's defense, that that is a difficult thing to do. Um, you know, will you involve him more in the pass game? You know, will you line him up in the slot? You know, will you move him all over the field? Or will you say, hey, look, we're going to try to pound the football right away because, you know, we have to find a way to get going. So, uh, you know, like I said, you, you could say this every week, but with the way that, Ohio State has been able to contain Jonathan Taylor. I think if you want to win this game, he is going to have to do uh, some pretty big things on the offensive side of the ball. But obviously that that is very much easier said than done against Ohio State's defense. I'll go on the flip side with the passing game and the offensive line. They have to give Chase Young. They have to contain Chase Young for more than 1.5 seconds. On the In that game in October, Wisconsin only accumulated – 191 yards in that lone touchdown. They could not move the ball, especially on third down. And Chase Young had four sacks, five tackles for loss, and a huge game, probably the most dominant defensive performance I've seen live covering a contest. Wisconsin needs to find ways to, and you know that Chase Young is going to go and they'll line them up different places. They Wisconsin has to find a way to identify him and lock him down. And that may leave someone more open or on a one-on-one matchup, like a Malik Harrison or, or someone else on the, on the Buckeyes defensive line. But Wisconsin 
needs to find a way to contain Young and then get something going with the passing game. Try to stretch that defense, even though that secondary is extremely good for the Buckeyes. You've seen what's happened over the past few weeks where A.J. Taylor's 55-yard touchdown, granted that was a, a catch and run, but Quintez Tevis with a 47-yard touchdown plus a 31-yarder on the same drive this past week against Minnesota. You've seen that, uh, you know, earlier, you know, after right after the bye week two with Cohen and Cephas hooking up as well. So there needs to be these, they need to take shots downfield a little bit. Jack, there won't be conditions deteriorating in terms of weather, which it didn't hurt them against Minnesota, but they need to find, you know, this should be an opportunity inside an indoor stadium for Cone to let her rip. And we'll see just, you know, if you can put up a contested pass to Cephas, if he can make plays, etc. I think, you know, the passing game needs to show up, but you know, that all starts with making sure that he's upright and not allowing Chase Young to get to him within a second of the ball being snapped. So we'll see what they do there. I guess maybe another thing too is just in terms of the bag of tricks, it's going to be interesting to see just which ones Chris and Rudolph decide to pull out of their hat and, and utilize this week. Do they go for broke and just unleash everything or or whatnot? But I'm going to be watching that and seeing how that goes but they have to make sure that Chase Young doesn't disrupt everything like it did, like what happened on, you know, October 26th in the, inside the horseshoe. So let's go to the defense, John, what I think you and I are on the same wavelength here, but they did not do this in Columbus, but what is your key to the game for Jim Leonard, Zach Bond, Chris Orr, and that defense? Yeah, they didn't do in this in Columbus, but I felt like they had, opportunities to and that's create turnovers and like I said earlier in the podcast you know Wisconsin got to the quarterback and they had some success with that and in rainy conditions you know there's a few times uh you know Justin Fields is kind of palming the football as he's going down and he's able to hang on to it you know which is a credit to him obviously um you know a few passes that you know went off some some fingertips and you figure you know in in a rainy game like that that winds up in Wisconsin's hands but it just didn't happen in that game um, I think, again, if, if you're going to win this game, it has to happen. Um, I would say, you know, two, three or more if Wisconsin uh, wants to win this game. And that's not something that's crazy either. I think that Wisconsin's defense can do can accomplish that. Um, you know, you saw them play really well against against Minnesota. Uh, you know, Caesar Williams having an interception there. You know, Zach Bond's a guy that can get to the quarterback. I think that there's one advantage Wisconsin might have. It's it's against Ohio State's offensive line. Um, if, if there's one thing that I think Wisconsin could kind of capitalize on, it's that. Um, you know, maybe Fields is a little bit less mobile uh, this week after after the knee injury, so maybe they can keep him in the pocket. Um, you know, all things that, like I said a few times already, it's easier said than done, but I think Wisconsin has to create turnovers uh, if they want to win this football game. Five sacks last time against the Buckeyes. I think they can turn up the pressure again. Uh, and, and turnovers will be huge. However, too, I, with Dobbins, Wisconsin just, I'm going to say the key, and it sounds cliche, they have to play their 111th. And and you talk to Zach Bond, I mean, I'm just looking at some of the transcriptions I had from Monday's discussion. He mem- Wisconsin kept it tight for 35 minutes, and maybe some of it helped with the weather being rainy or some horizontal wind, uh, horizontal rain for that matter. But, you know, Wisconsin was 10, it was 10-7 with about 12 minutes remaining in the third quarter. And that's when Ohio state went on that barrage of four straight touchdowns in four straight possessions. 
And according to what Bond had mentioned, he said a lot of the mistakes that were made in that game were just misalignments, a lot of missed tackles, I remember, and we just got to clean that stuff up. And he thinks communication is going to be huge. So with that, I'm going to say they have to do their 111th. Talking to Isaiah Loudermilk earlier this week, he feels that the defensive line has gotten gotten better. Uh, They feel that he feels that they're feeling blocks better. The eyes are getting better when it comes to being red uh, and where to go. So they feel that, uh, and Chris Orr mentioned too, uh, communication up and down the line, uh, you know, basically from the front end, from the defensive line all the way to the secondary. Uh, and he believes everyone's playing their alignments and assignments better. We'll see just how much that's put to the test against Ohio State with what Dobbins, J.K. Dobbins can do, who 163 yards and 20 carries and two touchdowns in October. Justin Fields now, you know, and we'll talk about this in a second, uh, just to see how much effective he could be. But he was a running presence in that game, a rushing touchdown. And then, you know, we'll see what happens through the air. But I'm going to say they have to play their 111th, especially, in, and I'll be more concise, in that run game. They have to know their alignments. They're, they all have to communicate, and they have to shut down that run. They do that. We'll see what the pressure can do against Justin Fields in that passing game. So I guess the one thing, too, before – we wrap it up, you know, we talked to Kevin about Justin Fields and that knee, you know, I guess my, I asked him this yesterday, you know, during the podcast, John, just what, in your opinion, will that indoor atmosphere do for both teams? Yeah. You know, I think at first glance you say, you know, this, this helps Ohio state, you know, this helps the speed that they have, you know, on both sides of the ball, you know, maybe specifically with their, you know, wide receivers, uh, you know, does that create more of an advantage? Because, you know, I remember talking about, you know, the conditions before the Ohio State game earlier this year, and, you know, it was predicted to rain, and you said, well, you know, maybe that helps Wisconsin, you know, with the running running the football and, you know, keeping some of that speed uh, a little bit more minimized, I guess, with Ohio State. But, you know, obviously, you know, that wasn't much of a factor. Uh, you know, with, with that being said, though, Wisconsin has – some weapons on the offensive side of the ball as well, you know, starting with Quintez Cephas, who they really made it a point to get involved with uh, against Minnesota. You know, he's, he's a game changer as well when, when he's rolling. So, you know, that helps Wisconsin there. You know, you saw Kendrick Pryor, a guy that, you know, really is effective, you know, as both a receiver and and someone who takes those jet sweeps and end arounds and uh, has some success with that. Um, you know, you don't know if AJ Taylor is going to be able to go, but you know, Danny Davis is, is a guy that can get going as well. So, uh, you know, Ohio State's skill guys at receiver are are more talented than Wisconsin. But w- this isn't a year where Wisconsin brings one guy out there, you know, like a Jared Aberderis, and, and the rest are kind of role role guys. You know, they have four legitimate playmakers at receiver, and you know, the indoor turf at at you know Lucas Oil, I think, can benefit Wisconsin in some ways as well. So. Um, I, I do think it's an advantage for Ohio State, but, you know, Wisconsin gets to play in the same field and, you know, their playmakers are going to be given the same opportunity as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it goes, yeah. I think Ohio State's passing game, I think it was Justin Fields that made a comment after that game saying they probably could have hung 50 up if it wasn't for the weather. And that I tended to agree, even, I mean, he was contained 12 of 22 for 167 yards, but he still had two touchdowns. He still passed the ball relatively well. So, uh, again, we'll see. Before we let everyone go here, two quick things. John, what is your prediction? I know you already mentioned they're going to win, but what's your score prediction for the game? Uh, yeah, I, I think Ohio State's going to win. I think it's just a matter of how much. 
um, you, you know, you just have thoughts of how, you know, the game early in the season went and then, you know, thoughts of, you know, other Big Ten title games against Ohio State have went. And even though the most recent one was, you know, a game that Wisconsin had a chance to win down the stretch, you know, they were driving down and they, they could have scored a touchdown to win. But um, I, yeah, I think the line is, is pretty good where it is right now, 16. Um, you know, I could I, I can see this game being somewhere, you know, like, you know, 35, 17, 35, 21 in favor of Ohio State. Um, I, I and that's that that's more of a credit to Ohio State than it is knocking Wisconsin. Um, you know, I think Wisconsin is a really good football team. I think Ohio State's the best team in college football. I think that everyone is going to see that uh, in the college football playoffs. You know, everyone is kind of looking at that potential Ohio State LSU matchup. I think is Ohio State might kind of roll comfortably through the college football playoffs. And then, you know, even going back to the broadcast, I think Barry Alvarez knows what he's saying at all times. But you know, the the common the the, the announcers during the Minnesota game said that Barry Alvarez said this was the best Big Ten team that he's seen you know since he entered the conference. And you know, he he's you know, very well telling the truth. And I think he knows obviously that Wisconsin was set up to play them in the big 10 title game, you know, leading up to that. But uh, you know, it, it'd be tough to argue against that. And I mean, they just have NFL guys at every single position and, you know, you, you lose, you feel like going into the year that quarterback could be an issue, but then, you know, former five-star quarterback comes and he's eligible to play right away in Justin Fields. And, you know, they, they just have so much talent, uh, you know, on that roster and they're, and they're playing unbelievably well under a first year head coach. And like I said, I think they're the best team in college football. Uh, you know, I think they cover that again, but that is more a credit to, you know, how I think of Ohio state and not, you know, the, the inefficiencies of, of Wisconsin. I'm going to say, I, I did a Q and a with Kevin noon. I initially said like 35, 17 around that mark, 34, 17, 35, 17. Uh, I think if Wisconsin keeps it within that I, I I'm not saying there's moral victories by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I, I think it's going to be one of those things where Wisconsin can play it tight for another, you know, three quarters probably. And then we might see Ohio state assert itself. We'll see what happens where you, Justin Fields health, the run game for Ohio state, if it gets going, if Wisconsin can get something going, uh, it just it really depends. I think as much as we know that Ohio state is going to have some scoring opportunities and, the, and they will capitalize I think it's a matter of what Wisconsin can do on that side of the ball. And if they can, if Wisconsin can get Jonathan Taylor going, if, if some of those new wrinkles, they can expose some things. You saw that even, uh, you know, it worked once and Ohio state quickly figured it out, but the wildcat with Aaron Crookshank, I don't know if you'll see that after his fumbles that he, or the fumble that he had against Minnesota last week. But I do feel that there will be some more offensive wrinkles. Just, this is not insider info. It's just, gut feeling after what we've seen the past few weeks. I think there's more uh, that Wisconsin will try to deploy to throw off Ohio state. And uh, we'll, but again, I think Ohio State's just, you mentioned it NFL talent all around. I think they win. It doesn't matter how much, but I still think Wisconsin gets the Rose bowl uh, and we'll just uh, see what happens on Sunday morning. John, before we let people go, what should people expect from Badger blitz? Coming up, not just this weekend with Big Ten championship coverage, as well as college football playoff uh, once the bowl selections are made. But what's coming up this coming up soon with National Signing Day in just a couple of weeks? 
Yeah, you know, the preparation for that is already starting. Um, you know, Wisconsin's going to be on the road this week, and they tweeted this out. Um, not, I shouldn't say on the road. They're in preparation for, uh, obviously, the, the Big Ten title game, so they're not out on the road. Um, you'll you'll kind of if you if you go on Twitter and you you go on that kind of stuff, you'll see a lot of coaches making in home visits. Uh, Wisconsin is scheduled to do that, obviously after uh, the Big Ten title game. So you know, they'll be catching up with uh, all the commits that they have in the in the 2020 class, and then um, you know also looking at some of the uncommitted guys. You know we have a story up inside the the Badgers den about you know Wisconsin going out to visit Caden Johnson. Um, they'll do the same with Jalen Berger. Uh, and, you know, a few of those other remaining targets in the 2020 class. So uh, we'll try to get those reactions as well as we kind of begin coverage for signing day, uh, which is December 18th. Um, I'll plan on starting to get out to some high school basketball games as well uh, in the area uh, with, with that season getting started. And then, you know, we'll be very busy with, with the football team. Obviously, the, the Big Ten title game this weekend, uh, we'll find out where they're playing, uh, you, know, hope, you know, most likely on January 1st. And then, you know, begin coverage with that as well. You can find all that on BadgerBlitz.com, Wisconsin.Rivals.com, on Facebook, Wisconsin Badgers, on BadgerBlitz.com. For John on Twitter, at McNamara Rivals, me at Jake Coco, K-O-C-O, and the official Badger Blitz account at Badger underscore Blitz. For this podcast, make sure you folks subscribe. It's free. There's nothing to it. You don't pay anything. What it means when you go on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you hit that subscribe button, anytime a new episode is uploaded to one of those avenues, it comes straight to you, whether you're on your desktop, your laptop, you have tablets, iPads, iPhones, Android phones. It goes straight there. And please give us reviews. Help us to make this the best Wisconsin Badgers podcast out there. We love feedback. We want to make this better. We've over the course of six months already added so much and edited so much and made modifications to, to help everyone listen more, make this a better show. So we appreciate you all coming up. Like I said, later this weekend, we'll probably talk Buckeyes Badgers and where Bucky will go coming up in bowl season. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon on another edition of the badger podcast powered by overtime media.